Go to the New Testament, book of Galatians. Martin Luther, the German Reformation preacher, said Paul had his war paint on when he wrote the book of Galatians. So Galatians chapter number 5. 13, 14, 15, 16. <clears throat> For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Ah, oh, preacher, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm saved. I'm free in Jesus. I've got liberty. Over Centralia is a woman, Centralia Branch. She happened to be in line at some store, and right in front of her was a pastor's wife of a church in Centralia, and she had under her arm a, a six-pack or a 12-pack or whatever it was. I mean, it, it, it made Jesus proud, you know, whatever it was. And that was the pastor of a wife there in Centralia. And I'm sure their message is, oh, I'm free. I'm free in Jesus. I can just do as I please. Well, really, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, I am believing, God, that your anointing is going to rest upon me. For, Lord, that is the calling that you've given me is to preach and to deliver your word. And, God, I am believing that this will happen under your anointing. And God, we ask and pray that every person be attentive. Lord, let all the sleepers awake. Awake, awake, O sleeper. And we ask and pray that every baby be quietened and every person's senses be heightened to be able to hear what you've got to say this day through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The title today is a 12-foot shuffle. A man won an elephant in a card game in Germany. And upon winning this elephant, he went and picked this elephant up from a local circus owner. And he took the elephant and he found that, to his amazement, that the elephant would walk just a short distance each way in a cage that had been built for him, about 12 foot. And then he would turn and walk. 12 foot the other way and he would turn and shuffle and he would walk 12 foot that way and then he would turn and shuffle and he would walk 12 foot this way. Much to everybody's amazement when they got the elephant outside of the cage, what the elephant did was he walked 12 foot this way and he walked 12 foot this way and he turned and he would shuffle and walk 12 foot this way. And the man didn't know what to do, and he went and sold it to the Heidelberg Zoo. And the Heidelberg Zoo had all of this area for elephants. 
And instead of the elephant having elephant fellowship with all the other elephants there, the elephant would walk 12 feet in this huge, monstrous area that they had designated for these elephants and would walk 12 foot and then would turn and walk 12 foot and then would turn and walk 12 foot. You know, if you ever do go to a circus and they've got an elephant there, what you'll see is something very odd. You will see a major big time bull elephant and that thing is tethered by a rope with a stake that's been drove into the ground that long. And that's the only thing keeping that elephant there. And all that elephant would have to do is just get mad just a little bit and it could just rip that thing out of the ground. But what happens, the moment it feels resistance, it stops. Because as a little bitty elephant, that stake was driven in the ground, that rope was applied to that elephant, and he fought against that. And he didn't have enough big time elephant strength to be able to get out, and because of that, he always remembers that in his mind, and the moment he feels the least little resistance, he stops. Harry Houdini was invited to New York City Jail when they first built that years and years ago, and was offered $50,000, an unheard sum of amount of money, to be able, if he could possibly, get out of the jail cell. And Harry Houdini, he, he readily said, yeah, I'll take you up on that. I'll take your money. Uh, it'll be a nice day's wage for me. And he got there that day. All the pomp and circumstance was there. The, the jailers was there. The guards were there. The, the warden was there. The mayor was there. And they said under one circumstance, Harry, you've got you've to get down to where there's nothing but your briefs on because we can't have you smuggling something in to where you can get out of this jail cell. And Harry agreed to that. He said, now I've got what you got to do. You got to leave this room because I'm not going to let you know my secret. They agreed. They left the room. When they left the room, Harry Houdini popped a tooth, a cap on his tooth. He extracted a wire from that, and he began working on that lock. Now, nobody realized that that's how he made his living when he first got married, was he was a locksmith. He worked in a place where they made locks. He could, he could, ta he could take anything and break out of a lock. He could just do it. And he started working on that lock. And five minutes turned into 10 minutes, and 15 minutes, and 18 minutes. And finally, he is just so aggravated, time is up. Everybody walks back in. Harry Houdini, to everyone's surprise, to Harry's surprise, is still inside the jail cell. And just in a feverish, mad, just a hissy fit, he grabs those bars and jerks against it, and the door flung wide open. Nobody ever locked the door. <laughs> he was trying to unlock a door that was already unlocked. 
And the thing with the 12-foot shuffle, the thing with the stake in the ground, the thing with Harry trying to open up a door that had already been opened up, it's the same thing on a spiritual principle. There are people that can be as free as a bird today and knowing that their sins have been washed away and live a brand new life if they would just realize all I've got to do is say yes to Jesus. And I can start walking this way. And millions of people are in house, in a cage that their own thinking has made when Jesus Christ can set us free. Everyone here, I believe, can be a contender. Everyone. 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 I got a letter this week that I thought was great. And I are here again. I didn't, you know, you can get forgiveness easier. You can get permission. So I'm just going to read it. Dear Mark, I wanted to take the time to thank you so much for all you have done for me and Troy. You may not realize how much your messages have blessed us, but before we came to Orchardville Church, I would hear people talking about how the Lord would use certain people for his work on earth. I never really understood or knew what that meant. Then we started attending Orchardville Church, and within a few times of us coming here, I knew right away what people meant when they talked about the Lord using individuals to do his work. It's very apparent that he uses you to reach people. Before we started attending Orchardville, I had given up on me and Troy and any hopes of us ever having a future together. Coming to Orchardville Church has changed our lives so much. You, Kay, and all the staff and volunteers made us feel so welcome, and for the first time in our lives, we truly know the meaning of having a church family. The love and compassion that we felt the first time we walked in the doors of Orchardville Church and still feel to this day was unlike anything that we've ever felt before. From that first smiling face we got to see to the first hand that we shook to the very first sermon that we heard you preach, it's etched a place in our hearts forever, and I will never forget that feeling. I am a very shy person and very awkward around people, so when I made the decision to start volunteering, I stepped way out of my comfort zone. But for me, just doing something like ushering or greeting or being on the fit team gives me the chance to reach out and make someone else feel the exact same way we felt when we first came to Orchardville Church four years ago. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? It's not someone just taking in. It's someone willing to give out. It's not someone just saying, bless me, 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 bless me. It's someone saying, I want to be a blessing. Thank God for that. And this is a person, Sean Kirby, I might add, I don't think I've mentioned her name yet, that she said that it was a, it was a major step for her to do something like this. This is what I hear from time to time. Oh, no, preacher, you just don't know my personality. I could never do that. That is a lie. You could never walk across the Grand Canyon on a wire. I'll give you that. If you tell me that, I give you that. I could never do that. But you tell me you could never volunteer for a ministry? I don't believe that.
I am proud to call Orchardville Church our church and so proud to call you Mark Shell our pastor. I love it when people come up to me and say, Sean, how's your pastor doing? That means they know that I'm deeply connected with my church. Thank God. Yeah. Music to my ears. Thank God. I don't believe for one moment that God has finished using you on this earth. I truly believe with all my mind and heart that you will kick this cancer in the butt and then kick it to the curb. Isn't that good? The best is yet to come, although I'm not sure how much better it can get. I am so, so grateful that God chose to lead us to this most amazing place, Orchardville Church. Troy and I love you and Kay and the church so much, and we will continue to pray for you guys every single day, multiple times a day. Love, Sean Kirby. P.S. Sending you and Kay a Cracker Barrel gift card because that's Troy's favorite place to eat in the whole wide world, and I truly believe he thinks that us giving you that gift card is the strongest form of love. He's crazy over Cracker Barrel. <laughs> are you serving or are you constantly being served? Preacher, I'm too spiritual to serve. Really? Is that what you think? Look at the life of Jesus. He came not to be served, but to be the one doing the serving. That's Jesus. How many knows who Rebecca is in the Old Testament? Mm -hmm. Isaac's wife. We first get, when we first, the, the, the Holy Spirit opens up the curtain on this woman's life, what we find about her is Eleazar has went to his far country to find Isaac a bride. Man, Isaac had some kind of faith in Eleazar's, what I, what I got to think about that. <clears throat> and Eleazar has 10 camels with him. And in his prayer, he's praying, Lord, send me the right woman for my master's son. I mean, he needs the right gal. Send the right woman. Matter of fact, I've got all these camels. It'd be great. And I, I mean, this is a guy praying. I mean, it'd be great, Lord, if you just send some woman right now that'd be willing to draw water for all these camels. So I won't have to do it. It's what, it's what his, his prayer is. And lo and behold, here comes Rebecca. And Rebecca says these words to the man. Can I draw water for your camels? And Eleazar said, oh, Lord, we got something going on here. He's got 10 camels. A camel easily can drink 25 gallons of water. Let's do the math here. That's 250 gallons times 8 pounds per gallon. That's 2,000 pounds. That's one ton of water. Let's say that she made 50 trips from where the water was to the camel, even if it's a, even if the trip's not very far, even if it's just a few feet. She's got to get the water in the, in the pitchers, and she's got to take it over, and she's got to dump it out. Let's say she takes 50 trips, and each trip takes three minutes. Two and a half hours. This woman, by being a servant, by being a hard worker, is in 
the lineage of Jesus and is part of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Her husband was Isaac. And the Bible lets us know that she was fair to look upon. That always means she's really, really hot is what that, is what that means. But here she wasn't just going on her good looks. This woman was a servant, and because of that, she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She had the heart of a servant. The Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to be a minister and to help people out. I have one guy in 25 years of pastoring this church come to me and said, Preacher, I got the ministry of helps. I love that. You know what helps is? H-E-L-P-S. Having enough loving people serving. Having enough loving people serving. That's what the majority of churches in America do not have. A few people are trying to do everything, and the church is not growing and not growing, then the ones that won't do anything are bickering because nothing's being done, and they're not willing to help out. For 10 years, Elisha was a minister unto Elijah. And the moment we hear that, we think, well, Elisha was the top dog because he was a minister. No, he was the servant. But the Bible points it out. He was a minister unto Elijah. I mean, for 10 years. Elijah, you want, a, you want a bologna sandwich? I'll get you a bologna sandwich. You want pickles on that? You want mustard on that? What do you want on that? You want that fried or you want that not fried? <laughs> he was a minister unto Elijah. He saw all the miracles that Elijah had done. He was a minister unto Elijah. I, I, I heard three ministers one time talking about, laughing about a young kid that was making sure that his pastor had water before he preached, and they was laughing about it. And I said, guys, you're missing the point altogether. God will make sure in 15 or 20 years that somebody's bringing that kid water when he preaches. Elisha had a crowbar that he carried about around with him. Here he's faithful for, for 10 years. They people can't be faithful for three weeks. And he's faithful for 10 years. He's got a crowbar with him. The moment that he sits down in a lazy boy chair, he takes that crowbar and he pries himself out of it. And he carried that with him for 10 years. He wasn't stuck in a 12-foot shuffle of, well, my mind says that I really can't get involved. It'd be impossible, preacher. It's just not possible for me to be able to get involved in a ministry. No, it's impossible for you to walk across the Grand Canyon on a wire. <clears throat> Man swimming across the Mississippi River. He got, he got halfway across, he got scared, and he swam back. How stupid. He was halfway across. He could have made it. Churches in America have no clue 
about what I read earlier in this service about Jude. Earnestly contending for the faith. Our idea is North American churches, if it's not easy, we'll just, we ain't having none of that. Because it's got to be easy. Oh, well, the air conditioner broke in my car and I just can't drive the 30 minutes it takes to get to Orchardville Church because, you know, might mess up my hair. I just kind of melt during that time. And they've been people that have died for their faith. <laughs> the path of least resistance makes men and rivers crooked. That's one of my favorite things. If it's not easy, we quit. Well, that's being a sissy is what that is. Be a contender. To, to contend means to fight for. In the Latin, it means to be stretched. Every one of us, every one of us sitting in this chair and this guy standing behind this pulpit, we are, no, we are, we are just about as, as, as no good as a rubber band. The only good a rubber band's for is when you stretch it to put it on something. And unless we're being stretched, we just ain't no good. Oh, well, come wheel or woe, our status is quo. Ronald Reagan said status quo means this is a mess we're in. And people don't even realize that. <clears throat> I am of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. And the decision for me has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will not look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I no longer need preeminence, position, prominence, or popularity. I don't have to be right. First, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I am a disciple of Jesus. I live by faith. I walk with patience. I live for souls. I labor in love. I'm finished with being a selfish taker. I choose to be a joyful giver. I am a disciple of Jesus. My mission is clear. I will reach, teach, and serve. I can't be bought, deterred, lured away, deluded, or delayed. I am a disciple of Jesus. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of adversity, nor compromise at the table of the enemy. I will not give up, shut up, let up, till I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I will go until he calls me home. I will give until I drop. I will preach until all know. I will work till he stops me. And when he returns for his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me. My colors will be quite clear. I am a disciple of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to give you two points. And these are the two points I want you to remember. Point number one, mankind is bankrupt without God. Point number two, God is rich in mercy to save mankind. Those are the two points I want you to remember. 
Don't shuffle back and forth just like, oh, soul winnings for somebody else. I'm too, I'm too nervous. <laughs> I just don't think I can do it. That's for somebody else. Oh, I'm just kind of a wallflower. I don't know if I could ever share Jesus with someone. You can do it even if you've got to suck your thumb while you're doing it. You can do it. You can do it. There's some things you can't do. You can't walk across, what is it? The Grand Canyon on a wire. Now, I'm running out of time already. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I've used this a lot of times. First Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 3, verse 12. This is talking about the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ. Every Christian believer will be there. You say, oh, I'll never be judged. Yeah, you will. Sure you will. Bible teaches it right here. I won't be judged, preacher. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. It's not a judgment on sin. This is a judgment on motives. What's your motives been when you did what you did? What's the motives been? What's the motives been? And God says here, now if any man build upon this foundation, meaning the foundation of Jesus, gold, silver, and precious stone, that's something that's going to last. Wood, hay, stubble, not going to last. Every man's work or woman's work will be made known for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall test every man's work of what manner, motive it is. Let's say the man has done everything he's done for the cause of Christ and it's been just so people could look at him Oh, isn't he special? Whereas he should have been getting a reward of gold, silver, precious stone, he wasn't. He was receiving a reward of wood, hay, stubble. Now, the Bible talks about us receiving a crown and then us being able on judgment day to place our crown at Jesus' feet. Here's what's going to happen to a lot of people. They're going to have a little bit of gold and a little bit of silver and one little precious stone. And that's all, everything else that they threw, wood, poof, hay, poof, stubble, poof, it went through the fire. It didn't come out on the other side of the fire. And this angel's working to make a crown to be able to give to you so you in turn can give to Jesus. But all that he, he's getting from you and your life is not much. Wood, poof, hay, poof, stubble, poof, oh, there's a little piece of gold. And by the time he's done, he gets through making a crown that's the size of a thimble that you could put on your little finger. And you've got to walk up to Jesus that day and take that thimble crown and place it at his feet. 
when the woman before you, maybe a little grandma that hardly nobody knows, but she's always been faithful to her Lord and to his church. And man, everything she's done, it's been gold, silver, precious stone. It's been a lot that this angel's got to work with. And by the time this whole woman's life has been delivered over into this reward, this guy, this angel has made a crown that's like one of them crowns that you see in England. Well, don't they make a big to-do on stuff over there? What's the new baby born? What was his name? George. George. George, yeah. <laughs> Named George. <clears throat> Did you see where the guy that came out and had the scroll and the hear ye, hear ye? You hear about all that? You think, well, yeah, pomp and circumstance, that's what England's about. They didn't know anything about that. This was some guy that lived outside of London that rented the flat where he could be close by and he had the outfit and the uniform and the hear ye, hear ye stuff. And the moment he heard the baby was born, he ran over there to the hospital and hear ye, hear ye. He ain't a part of any of the family or nothing. <laughs> and he fools everybody because they're all about hear ye, hear ye. But of the old timers remember the the uh, margarine commercial where they would eat the margarine and it would go da 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 and they'd look at the person again and had a big crown on their head. <laughs> That's the kind of crown some people's going to receive and they're going to be able to lay that at the feet of Jesus. But the person that's stuck in a 12-foot by 12-foot cage that walks a few feet this way and turns and lumbers and walks a few feet that way It may be just this size instead of da-da-da-da. Don't be stuck in no cage. Don't be stuck. Don't be stuck by just, don't let your own mind or maybe even how you was raised, don't let that make you stuck because God's got big things. God's got da-da-da-da. Lord, we thank you, God, for this time to be able to preach your word. Lord, I know it wasn't a great message, but, Lord, it's a message filled with your truth, and that makes it great. And I am believing, God, that people are not going to be stuck. They're not going to be entrapped in a prison, even if it's of their own making. God, today could be the day that they could jump out of that. We're asking and praying, Lord, for your blessing on the remainder of this service. Holy Spirit, touch. You was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sins. Punishment that brought us peace was upon again by his was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace 
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. 
If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.